Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. This is the Rick Thompson Report with Rick Thompson. Hello, Dad. How are you today? Hello, Luke. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. You're looking quite bronzed. Has it been sunny in Paris? I'm looking bronzed. It's it 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 has been fairly sunny. I think I'm st- I've still got a bit of tan from the holiday, ah. uh, but uh, also the lighting in this room is good. If I turn this light off, it might make me look like a zombie. So you see, I've well, turned these lights off. I don't look quite as good. No, you don't. But I mean, I'm compared with you, I look rather pale. But uh, never mind. I think it's just that my camera isn't as good as yours. I like your shirt, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Nice uh, and you know, you're going to like this as well. Look, if I just... Oh, bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. That's a bit early for this podcast, actually. <laughs> That's very, so it very says bye, good. bye, bye like on the back of the T-shirt there. Um, yes, yes. So here we are, a video version as well, Dad. Oh, I know. In colour. In full colour, technicolour. Um, what, how, how does it feel to be... So y- this video is going to go up on YouTube. Um, I think this is your first... Is this your first YouTube? It, well, yeah, I think so, yeah. Apart from one or two, you know, conferences that have been on YouTube. But, um, no, the first time uh, with Luke's English podcast in Vision. Mm. And um, I've got oh, an appropriate, no. appropriate mug Thompson here. Thompson Report, can you believe it? So, audio listeners, I'm I'm wearing a Luke's English podcast T-shirt that says "Bye bye 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 bye" on the back, and I'm drinking tea from a Rick, uh, a Rick Thompson Report mug, which looks splendid. You can you can get them from the uh, from the, from the merch to, store. I'll have to buy one. I'll have to um, get one. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say you, you, this is going to go on YouTube. I think this is the first time you've been on YouTube. So I, I don't know how familiar you are with being on video and stuff. You used to work in a TV newsroom making TV news, but did you ever actually uh, appear on TV reading the news? Oh yes. When I was a lot younger, yes. Um, I started off in uh, in the Midland region in Birmingham, and and you know I did reporting and did some. Studio studio presenting. I was the sports reporter for about a year. Really, and you were like Alan Partridge. Favorite. Yes, like Alan Partridge. And so I did those kind of. Um, well, it was a you know a terrific game, game of two halves, you know, and all that kind of thing <laughs> uh, in the studio. Yeah, and uh, did a did a bit of um, presenting of of other programs as well. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure ago. that the. I'm sure my listeners uh, or viewers in this case are happy to actually be able to see the Rick Thompson report as well as listen to it. So, um, yes, listeners, yes, and uh, video viewers. Uh, so this is the Rick Thompson report where I talk to my dad about politics, news and current affairs, which almost always means an update on the uh, ongoing Brexit saga 
This is where we often talk about Brexit. So what's going on in the UK at the moment? How is Brexit going? Remember that before the referendum, do you remember this, uh, viewers, listeners? Before the referendum, I talked about it on on the podcast. um, Before the EU referendum, there were various predictions made by experts who recommended that Brexit was a bad idea. I don't know if you remember any of those predictions. They were labelled by the pro-Brexit side as Project Fear meaning that critics of Brexit were just trying to make everyone scared about leaving the EU, but it was all baseless and everything was going to be wonderful when we left in a very non-specific way, but wonderful. Well, we're now getting to a stage where we can see if those predictions are coming true or not. So, uh, Dad... Let's get started. How long has the UK actually been out of the EU now? And how's it going? Well, it's it's exactly nine months since we actually left the single market and the uh, and the customs union and the other um, big mechanisms of, of sharing in between the EU countries like the common agricultural policy, the common fisheries policy and um, and so on after many delays. Yes, you mentioned it was a saga. It is a saga. I, I, I hope your viewers and listeners, you know, won't get too bored of this saga because, I mean, it's a long time since of that referendum you mentioned. And it happened on the 23rd of June 2016. And, you know, uh, the prime minister at the time was David Cameron. He didn't think that people would vote to leave the EU, really. And he got a nasty shock and promptly resigned. Um, and walked away from the problem he'd created. Now, mm. your your regular listeners and viewers will know that um, I'm uh, not in favour of Brexit at all. And um, now that I don't work for the BBC, I can express my own opinions freely and frankly. So they, they are my own opinions. And I am no fan of Boris Johnson. I think he's a disgrace. So um, that's you're going to get my views. Uh, I, I think they'll be Good. based on fact. I mean, they will be based on facts. So since the um, the referendum and then we had uh, Theresa May trying to get a, a deal through the House of Commons, unable to do it, and finally she resigned uh, in 2019, and the conservative ruling Conservative Party decided that they would have Boris Johnson as their Prime Minister. So he wasn't actually elected. He was picked by the ruling party. That's the way it works. And just to just to kind of clarify some context, so after yes, uh, the country narrowly voted to to leave the EU, then there was the the the, the deal would be then we've got to work out how to leave and how to create some sort of trading agreement with our nearest neighbour and one of our biggest trading partners. How do we we pull apart this one agreement? We have to create a new one of some sort, and that's called the 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 deal. What kind of deal? The ridiculous thing is that everyone's struggling desperately struggling to find some sort of deal that would be even half as good as being in the EU itself. But anyway, never mind that. So the deal is about renegotiating a new agreement on terms of trade and all sorts of other things with, with the EU. Um, so that's, the, that's what the deal is all about. Yes. Uh, Theresa May failed to get a deal and Boris Johnson then came along. And uh, obviously um, what we had was lots and lots of, of extravagant promises from this, what I would regard as a pretty hard-right nationalistic uh, element in the Conservative Party. And the Conservative Party has different, you know, uh, nuances, different 
colours of blue in the same way the Labour Party has some people who are fairly extreme left and others who are regarded as moderate. The Conservative Party is the same. But they played this nationalist populist card about waving the national flag and talking about Brussels, uh, you know, taking in charge of our laws and, and Freedom Day. They talked about Freedom Day and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and those of us who knew a little bit about it would be absolutely infuriated that this uh, alliance uh, of democratic states that have given us peace for my lifetime, uh, for the first time in the history of Europe, and uh, a terrific internal market with no barriers at all, uh, no tariffs, no nothing, was going to be trashed for some kind of strange idea that we are going to be free. And and uh, so you ask, well, how's it going? It's going badly. I mean, it's very timely, this podcast, because I don't know whether people have um, seen p- pictures on the TV news, but at the moment, um, the country is in a bit of a chaotic mess. Um, the, the headline thing is that we have a shortage of petrol at the petrol stations and uh, long queues, a lot of them closed, there have even been uh, fights breaking out uh, at petrol stations uh, as people think others have been jumping the queue and because they get so frustrated. Um, the, the the government is uh, all at sea. There's a good phrase for you. Uh, they're like marooned on a boat at the sea. They don't know what they're doing. Um, so people have been saying, well, no wonder we're short of lorry drivers because we're not actually all that short of fuel. We're short of drivers yeah so why can't people get their fuel then it's because of the yeah, lack of drivers a, a serious shortage of people licensed to drive heavy goods vehicles hgv drivers so lorry drivers truck drivers and now there's a bit of a shortage in other european countries as well germany's got a shortage of hgv drivers poland has as well but they can bring them in f- easily from neighboring countries and so there is no panic in germany uh here we have some empty shelves in supermarkets because they can't get their food delivered. Um, we have other implications of the fact that there aren't enough lorry drivers. Um, for example, uh, I know somebody who's a surgeon who went to try to get to hospital to do an operation. And when they finally got there after queuing for petrol, uh, found that the, um, the so-called scrubs, the, the special kit they have to wear to do the operation hadn't arrived. So there's all sorts of things going on. And it is um, a real crisis, actually. The fuel um, is one where apparently about 15% of our petrol stations are operating at the moment. I mean, 85% of them are closed. It's fantastic. And the the roads are fairly empty because a lot of people just are not going to work because they can't. This is the third, fourth day of this crisis, and it's slowly getting better. Okay, and it doesn't affect the whole of the country. Some parts of the country have have got their petrol stations open. Scotland is doing all right, but it is a mess at the moment. You actually had to cancel a holiday, you and Mum. Yeah, we we were going to go up north into Northumberland and do some driving around, and um, we decided it wasn't worth the risk. We weren't going to spend our holiday hunting for petrol. So while we still had enough in the tank, we came home. We abandoned our holiday. So why aren't there enough HGV drivers then? That is a very good question. A number of reasons. One is uh, the COVID situation, which apparently meant a lot of um, the tests were cancelled. 
because they couldn't sit in the cab and, and do a do a test. So there was a backlog of people getting qualified. Another reason is systemic in that a lot of lorry drivers are older and, you know, are retiring and they're not being replaced by young people who don't want to be truck drivers. Um, uh, uh, but th- that's part of the reason. Another reason is Brexit. And it's actually quite a major reason. A survey of the uh, Lorry Drivers Association, the Road Haulage Association, that put that near the top of the reasons why they haven't got enough drivers. Um, they estimate that they are 100,000 drivers short of what they need to keep all the supply chains going smoothly. That's a lot of drivers. And um, and guess what? The, the, the number of uh, EU drivers, drivers from Poland, Romania and everybody else, everywhere else, who went home after Brexit, uh, because it wasn't um, one of the uh, categories of employment that would allow them to, to come and work. Um, so they all went home. And uh, it's it's a major reason for a shortage of drivers, which means the supply chains are very vulnerable at the moment. So it's a mess at the moment. Uh, it's interesting, the COVID point, because some people will say, oh, it's because of COVID, you're just blaming it on Brexit, but it's because of COVID. But there is a sort of, there is a way of, of testing. So, uh, some people this. do say that in the right-wing newspapers and the right-wingers in the Conservative Party will say, oh, it's all about COVID, it's nothing to do with Brexit, but they're wrong. There's lots of evidence to show that the Brexit paperwork that came in put off a lot of companies from bringing their goods to Britain in trucks. They couldn't face it, uh, and it was also expensive. Um, and as I say, a lot of the drivers just went home. So it, it is a major factor, whatever they say. Uh, the, the Obviously, um, I, I, as I said, I'm very, very hostile to the notion of leaving the EU, but we have done. But one of the problems was that um, Boris Johnson and his colleagues uh, – didn't negotiate a decent Brexit. They had what's called a hard Brexit right at the very last minute. So we crashed out of the EU, really, with a lot of things left unresolved. Uh, And um, one of them is this freedom of movement for certain categories of people. They didn't go for the low-skilled people. They don't want low-skilled people. So we have a shortage of... Ancillary workers in the health work service, care workers who work in care homes, lorry drivers, um, people who to pick seasonal fruit. The food processing industry is a major shortage of workers. And all these things were, were very much um, uh, supplied by places, particularly from Eastern Europe. We had a lot of people from Hungary and, and Romania, Poland, uh, who came and found the wages were good compared with what they had at home. And they they were very efficient and effective. Uh, nobody was complaining about them. The Conservatives say, oh, they were undercutting British workers. Absolute nonsense. The, the British workers didn't want to pick fruit and didn't want to work in care homes. And they regarded it as, um, you know, something that wasn't paid well enough. So... Uh, they were filling a much-needed gap, and that gap is now apparent. Uh, we have a shortage of nurses, we have a shortage of care home workers, and so on. So at the moment, after nine months, Brexit is looking like a really, really bad idea. 
Mm-hmm. Going back to the COVID thing again, just briefly, um, one thing about when you where people say it's the effects of COVID, uh, well, you know, you just look at, you know, Europe, look at um, the nations of Europe and see how they're coping with COVID. Are they suffering the same kinds of consequences as, as us at the moment, if it's just COVID? Not as, not as serious as us. Um, as far as the... Um the other crisis that's going on at the moment, which is the the price of energy. So that's affecting everybody. It's a worldwide hike in the wholesale price of gas in particular. And it's gone up enormously. It's gone up 200% in just a few months. Do we know why? Well, there's a whole number of reasons. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One one of them is the recovery from COVID means – all the, all the industries have started back up again, activities started back up again, and suddenly there's a big demand for energy. And the way the market works is when there's high demand, the price goes up and the, yeah. the, there isn't so much supply. It's called mm-hmm. supply and demand. The other one is that uh, there are another number of other factors. There was a, there was a fire uh, in an electrical cable across the English Channel, uh, which was used to, you know, take, uh, power from france so uh, that's been knocked out wow. we've had a very very calm strangely calm weather for the last six weeks it's been still we've been had a high pressure area sitting over the british isles and hardly any wind so all our wind farms haven't been generating electricity oh, um one of the problems with uh, renewable energy and we're doing quite well in expanding offshore wind farms is that you can't store it very well you you'd need loads and loads and loads of massive batteries to store this stuff mm-hmm. and that has not not been part of the investment another reason is that the russians are playing an interesting game through their state-owned gazprom and gazprom has been reducing its supplies to europe um but the the the, the problem for for britain is that uh, other european countries have a bigger reserve of gas and we quite a quite a big difference i mean we have something like 20 percent reserves germany has something like 60 percent reserves if you can understand that and that's again a, a failure of government that, that people have said people in the industry have said we're vulnerable to price hikes or shortages because we haven't invested in enough um, reserves so that it always comes back to the government in the end that they haven't planned they didn't plan for a pandemic even though they had a rehearsal in 2018 by their emergencies group they rehearsed for a pandemic um, and at the end of it they, an extensive report went to the government saying uh, if we have a pandemic we are not ready um, the the stores of um, special clothing, uh, the, the PPE, ver- PPE, various other things uh, have to be uh, put in readiness because we haven't got it. Because everyone knows there's going to be a pandemic sometime. Yeah, I mean, people it, had been talking about they, it for, for they, many they, years. They come along every now and then. And we were pretty much due for one, which was, which was why, you know, they had this exercise. And the government did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Is this Johnson's government? Is that was it a it, recent? It was 2018, so it was actually just before Johnson. But it, he must have known that this was a recommendation. They're very reluctant to spend money on anything. This is another trait of right-wing philosophy 
that they believe in small government and believe that business will sort everything out, let the market decide. Mm -hmm. Small government is good government. Well, the pandemic has has jolted them out of that because they had to act and do things. And they've spent huge amounts of taxpayers' money, uh, you know, on vaccines and uh, other measures. Um, And uh, it's it's still happening. I mean, we're we're still uh, spending a lot of money on things uh, which are the result of uh, Brexit as well as the result of the pandemic. So what's going on here with this government? Is it just incompetence or is, is there something more sinister going on? It's a very good question. You mentioned, um, so, you know, the Conservative government's policy is often to push the, the private sector and sort of bring the private sector into everything and let the, you know, let business take care of itself and so on. And, uh, but it, it the, the government is facing genuine criticism of, you know, proper corruption, um, isn't it? I mean, it's it, that people have been making uh, these observations and comments about things like, um, so the government introduces its testing system, the test and trace system, which is a way to try to uh, make sure that everyone coming into the country uh, is tested um, properly and monitored. It's, it's not just people coming into the country. It happens across the country so that they could see where the big outbreaks of COVID happening. Uh, and then, you know, you, you test people to find out how many have got it. And in different parts of the country, it, it varied quite a lot. And then you have to trace people who who test positive and isolate them. And that was what test and trace was mainly about, about it within the country. Um, and of course, it didn't work. And it cost huge amounts of money, thousands of millions of pounds, and it just didn't work. And mainly because it was it was put out to lots and lots of private companies, many of which weren't capable of doing it. And a lot of these companies were friends of the Conservative Party. That's the, that's the criticism, right? That um, in rolling out uh, the whole testing system, a lot of uh, contracts for all sorts of stuff, you know, testing packs and PPE. Uh, oh, PP, personal protective equipment. That's your masks and all the rest of it. All the other things that, uh, you know, need to be provided uh, for this. And all of those contracts were, yeah, given to... A lot of them were given to, to uh, companies that had suddenly popped up out of nowhere and and were friends of the Conservative Party. So they, they were bizarre companies that, you know, made pens or something. And suddenly they said, well, we can do PPE. And they got huge contracts to provide stuff. Some of it was okay. A lot of it wasn't. A lot of the stuff that was provided wasn't good enough. It was a complete waste of money. So two things, the quality of the stuff and the fact that all the contracts for all this stuff was just given to, like, friends of the Tories, basically. A lot of them were. And it's, of course, yeah. it is a scandal, and everyone's been calling for some kind of inquiry. And uh, Boris Johnson and Co. say, "Oh yes, yes, we'll, 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 we'll in, in, you know, let's get over this problem first, and then we'll have our inquiry." It'll be very interesting if it finally gets round to it. What the results will be, uh, because on the face of it, uh, there there is um, a good case for saying that there has been some corruption uh, going on, and a lot of people have benefited from this. Um, coronavirus uh, outbreak. Um, so it, it's it's. Um, I'm sorry to sound so negative to all your listeners. I mean, obviously, the sun is shining. Um, you know, 
everything could always be worse, but it is infuriating that um, we are in the throes of a government and you say, well, well, why, why are they just incompetent or what? Yes, they're incompetent. Uh, they don't have any public service ethos. Um, that, that, you know, there are some politicians who are statesmanlike. They have some vision and they do the right thing. And there are other politicians who have no vision and they want to do as little as possible. And um, they're, they're, this has been an incoherent government from the beginning of this outbreak all the way through, completely incoherent. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. It's a gang, isn't it, as well? It's a, it's a faction. Their, their main quali- qualification is that they're Brexiters. So they, we are looking at the right wing of a right, right-wing party. Uh, and, uh, and they don't believe in intervention. They don't believe in intervention. They believe in laissez-faire. It'll all work out. A lot of those um, MPs, those, those um, um, ministers are in the cabinet, not necessarily because of their skills, and their abilities, but because of their loyalty to the Brexit uh, uh, project, right? And th- this right. is always a feature of this sort of government, these extreme governments. They end up to making their decisions based on ideological loyalty rather than actually making things work. Um, but yes, um, there's also a, a, a sort of a lack of accountability going on, isn't there? And transparency. Yes, it it's... Um it is a little difficult. The the con- ruling Conservative Party do have a lot of um, the newspapers on their side, uh, so they they have quite a lot of support in in the big newspapers. Um, the the media have found it very difficult to cope with reporting um, Brexit because a majority of the people voted for it. So even though the evidence is that it's bad, um, they have to, you know, obviously play it quite straight, if you know, if you know what I mean. I, I, I think that people are starting to realise now that it is... What you're getting at there, though, I think, though, is the fact that on the BBC, they never, go, they never say it's Brexit. So all the, the fuel crisis and blah, 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 they're not saying, and this is because of Brexit. They, they don't explicitly say it clearly enough. Because they they feel sensitive about openly being critical of Brexit because that becomes too partisan and the BBC's role is to be non-partisan and to be objective and they don't want to, you know, take take sides and, you know, and so on, right? To, to be fair, the, the, the fuel, current fuel crisis isn't just about Brexit. No. Uh, and, and... Okay. But there are, um, there are plenty of times... Uh, when it is reported by all the media, all, all the TV and radio stations together, it's not just the BBC, um, are, are pointing out that Brexit has not delivered what was promised. I mean, in all sorts of sectors. Um, you know, the, the British fishing industry is quite important. We're an island. And, um, you know, they were very strongly for Brexit because they wanted to... Um, uh, take control of our waters and keep EU boats out of our waters and everything else, especially since fish stocks are, are declining. So it becomes a little bit more of a vicious battle. Well, they have discovered that it, it has done absolutely nothing for the fishing industry, nothing at all. And um, 
they they are the number of boats is still declining there are uh, all sorts of impacts that are starting to be apparent um people with holiday homes abroad and there's a lot of them aren't allowed to stay there for more than three months at a time or three months in any six months uh, uh, because they're no longer in the eu uh, and the so that's a problem for some people um the Erasmus scheme was this um, very active student exchange system where students could spend a year uh, in another university within the EU. Well, our students and I excluded from the Erasmus scheme. Um, what benefit is that? Uh, the music and entertainment business is in trouble because if you wanted to take your band on a tour of Europe, you can't unless you manage to get separate permissions to go in each European country with oh, loads gosh. and loads of paperwork for each individual member of the, the group and the staff and everything so too. so the rolling stones are currently in america you know, they can't tour europe so they're touring the united states still going by the way the stones just in additionally that they're still they're still going i mean they're still going mick jagger's 80 they're still going i, I thought that i know i thought that with the death of charlie watts that they would um they, they would they would stop but no they're they, they're carrying no, on they're which is still cool. going yeah. Anyway, I'm anyway. just ranting on here about all the disadvantages. Uh, but the fact is, if you look at this objectively and, and fairly and dispassionately, say, well, what are the advantages of us leaving the EU? I can't think of one. I'm not, fi- I'm not finding one either. And we're, we're looking for specific, tangible things, not just vague notions like, well, we're taking back control. No vague notions. We're only allowed specific, measurable uh, uh, gains from from this. And people say, the, the Brexit supporters say, well, you know, I'm willing to take an economic hit for the advantages. But even down the line, even in 50 years, tell me what the, the advantages will be. Yeah, and people so, will say, I mean, well, we can make our own laws and stuff, but we could already do that. Maybe, maybe some of your, your viewers and listeners will be shouting at the screen now and saying, yeah, oh, come maybe. on, you know, you're, you're being completely biased and, and you know, maybe negative. people who, who being negative. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to be negative, uh, but it's just um, I, I can't see any advantages at all. And we've only been properly out for nine months. Um, there's a long way to go yet. Come, shall we switch to talk about uh, Northern Ireland, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, we can. I was just going to mention before we do that, just one possible thing we could talk about um, during this conversation. I don't want it to go on too long. Is Do you remember Yellowhammer? Remember what Operation that was? Operation Yellowhammer. Yeah. So um, it, it was, was a code word. To, what was it for? It, it was um, a code name used by the British Treasury. That's basically the the Ministry for the Economy, Finance, right? Yeah. Finance. Um, the, it was a code name by used by the British Treasury for cross governmental civil contingency planning. So this is planning across every department in the government for the possibility of Brexit without a withdrawal agreement. So this is, this is the government saying, OK, so if there is a hard Brexit, what's going to happen? Let's have a look at let's do some contingency planning to see what the effects might be across all ministries and all departments. Um, and so they did, you know, proper contingency uh, planning. And then they came out with these predictions um, um, which were then ignored, right? Yes, that's right. But the, they were ignored. But the predictions, do you want me to just mention some of them? Yes, go on. 
So the predictions for Operation Yellowhammer included these things. So peace. These are, these, are, these are the things that could be affected by a hard Brexit peace. Uh, and we're going to mention this. Hard Irish border. Um, and the, the, a, a hard border in, on the island of Ireland causing social unrest, um, potential conflict, you know, bringing back the unrest of the, of the past, and also smuggling as well. Um, disorder, social disorder, community tension and public disorder. I think this relates to uh, the fact that, it, you know, immediately after the Brexit result came in, uh, there was a marked increase in sort of racial related uh, hate crimes and, you know, examples of, of that, basically. Um, ports, um, you know, flow rate down 40 to 60 percent two-day delays at the border energy issues fewer providers less choice and higher prices fishing rights would be uh, in dispute uh, shortages of staff and medicines in healthcare, care uh, staff shortages and higher costs in social care travel delays uh, food you know trouble getting food and uh, pets as well um, shortage of, of vets and, and medicines uh, uh, as well so all those different things were were predicted um uh, um, how ma- how many of those things have kind of are, are, are actually happening? Do, do we think? Well, it, you know, there's time yet, but um, a lot of them are happening. Um, if you if you take Northern Ireland, this is in a very tense state now. Um, uh, it it's we're coming up to another little deadline um, for some kind of um, uh, deal. Over Northern Ireland, um, it's difficult to explain this thing very clearly. But but when we were in the EU along with the Republic of Ireland, uh, there was no problem. There's free movement of people, goods, and services. The moment Northern Ireland is out of the EU, um, the question then was: Well, are we going to have some kind of border between Northern Ireland and the Republic so that we can limit? goods so we've got a border which is basically eu and not eu yes that's and it right. also means the, the EU, republic of ireland and northern ireland the eu as a whole obviously jealously guards its its external border um because it has complete free movement of goods people and capital within um but not outside so what do you do about the, the fact that northern ireland and the republic of ireland won't be um together anymore and everybody agreed that the last thing they wanted was a, a border in Ireland because it would bring back the IRA for a start, undoubtedly. Uh, but it was impractical as well. It, there was there was so much traffic, uh, you know, between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland in one way or another that it was going to be entirely unacceptable on every front. So what do we do now about the border? Well, this has gone on and on and on, but it, there was a an agreement that uh, there would be um, checks between Northern Ireland and the mainland. Now, this has infuriated the majority unionists in Northern Ireland because the whole point is that they, they feel that they're an integral part of the United Kingdom. And the idea of having a border and border checks between them and, and England or, or Scotland is infuriating them. And um, the recently, the last few days, um, the various unionist parties in Northern Ireland, um, mainly Protestant uh, unionists, uh, have got together. There are four of them, 
Um, and instead of, uh, you know, being hostile, trying to win uh, the unionist votes against each other, they've joined up to uh, basically give a an ultimatum uh, to the British government that basically uh, if we continue having these checks between the mainland and Northern Ireland, um, I can't remember what they're threatening to do, but they will unilaterally uh, end them. Um, and this so, is, so, so, it, sorry, just sorry to come in here, but to okay. basically, this is a question of like, where do you draw the line? You need to put a line somewhere. Is the line between Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic Island, Republic of Ireland? Um, in which case, the the um, um, the Republicans will get upset. Yeah, but right? the the, the, nor- the the yes, they they would, but the. Um, um, the IRA would be back, I think, Luke. That's yeah, that's what a I mean. Reasonable prediction, and but yeah. yes, the border is is down in the sea between Northern Ireland and England at the moment. Yeah, so so you got like either the line goes between Northern Ireland and Ireland slash Repu- uh, slash European Union, which upsets the IRA and the Republicans in general, um, and then or you put the island the line between the Northern Ireland and uh, the rest of Britain. Uh, which uh, obviously makes the unionists very unhappy because this it is the whole thing un- about Northern Ireland. It does Some people think unhappy. it should be all reunited with Ireland. That's the Republican model. And then uh, some people think that it should be all, you know, it should stay part of the union. And they're very, very, very strong, passionate about this. Very small number on each side, but they're incredibly passionate it's about it. It's very tense at the moment. It's very tense. Uh, so that's another thing that's going on. Um, the... Uh, the labour shortages is um, an issue affecting a lot of different sectors. Uh, these are the people from Europe have gone home, and uh, we have we have le- serious labour shortages all over the place. Um, and uh, this is not getting any better. So I'm being miserable here and being, you know, an- anti-Brexit as you know I always have been. Um, but it gives me no pleasure at all to see things starting to develop that uh, were in many ways inevitable, um, that we are we have got a lot of difficulties now which don't seem to be easily resolved. Then these difficulties were predicted, and yet we still don't really know the motivations for people leaving, except for certain kind of vague yeah. uh, ideas, really. Just, just to... Um, um, to be even more miserable. I mean, <laughs> Britain is also somewhat isolated in foreign policy now. Um, when you were part of the EU, you had a certain amount of authority and clout, and we could work with France and Germany and others on international issues. And now we're adrift in the sea. And um, the this... Uh, this government, this Boris Johnson government, seems to think that as long as they they cosy up to the United States, everything will be fine. Well, it's not looking fine at the moment. Um, if you take Afghanistan, for example, um, mm. we tragedy that is we we uh, had to get out fast on the coattails of the Americans because those because the American president decided that it was one of his electoral promises that they would get out of Afghanistan. And there was no collaboration, no cooperation. And in the end, it was these appalling scenes of people clinging to aircraft, trying to get out as as we 
turned tail. And it turns out that there was very little uh, liaison between the United States and Britain and a few of the other countries who were there. It became a, a shameful, you know, runaway. And uh, if, if you look at just about any policy area, um, our our government is on the run. It, it is not leading the way. It is desperately trying to catch up. Um, and uh, there there are other issues, but it, as you can see, and your your, uh, your podcasters will will know that I don't say this lightly. I don't want to run down my country. I don't want to feel miserable about it. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I wish I could. Mm, absolutely, yeah, me too. I'm positive, but I can't say anything positive because things are not looking good. I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast. It's kind of like my job to to uh, be proud of of uh, you know my country in a in a sense, you know. Um, but yeah, so so it's let, not just. Let, choosing, we talk about our prime minister. The one who wasn't <laughs> yeah, elected, go ahead. The one who wasn't elected by the people. He was just put in place by the Conservative Party. I mean, he's he is becoming such an embarrassment. It, it's terrible. Yeah, he, he goes to the United Nations. Okay, and makes his speech to the United Nations, and um, you, you know what? What was he saying? He was talking about Kermit the Frog. You sometimes think he's lost his his mind. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, a lot of nonsense comes out. I mean, he really ought, ought to grow up, and and he he does this this kind of private school jo- jollity, you know, like he's still seventeen and at Eton. He talks yeah. about, oh, prenez un grip. That's mixture of French and English. Prenez means take or get a grip. Get a grip. Okay. Prenez un grip. And donnez-moi un break. Give me a break. This it's is kind of childish not only stuff. a stupid thing to say in a, a serious diplomatic uh, setting, but to sort of mix up French and English because he thinks it's funny. In some way, it's childish. It's bizarre. Absolutely some of the stuff childish. that it's it's bizarre. Some of the stuff he comes out with. I mean, do you remember that interview where someone was trying to get to know him? It's like, so you know, Boris Johnson, you're going to be our new prime minister. How do you like to? What do you like to do? How do you spend your time? Like, are you a normal person? What do you do? And he didn't know what to say. And he, you know, he just did that thing where he just uh, rubbed his hair, and then he said, "I like to um, uh, make uh, buses." Uh, <laughs> yes, I remember of, um, that one. Yes, wooden, I mean, he, he, he was wooden, box, wooden. He's going wooden boxes. I like to make you know, I paint the the the, the buses and and uh, and the interviewer's like you 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 make you make buses. Out of. He's like <laughs> yes. and and he's like yes. What do you do to relax? What do you do to switch off? Uh, I I well, I like to paint um, or I make things. I like to... What do you make? I make... I have a thing where I make models of... I mean, when I was in like, well, Mayor of London, we build a beautiful... I make buses. You make models of buses? I make models of buses. So they're going to be do, in Downing Street. So, so what I do... No, what I do make models of buses, what I, I make is... I get, I get old, um, I don't know, wooden crates. Yeah. Right? And then I paint them. And they and they have two. two I suppose it's a wine. It's a box that's been used to contain two two wine bottles, right? Right. And it will have a, 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 a dividing thing. 
Yeah. And I turn it into a bus, and I, so I put, I put passengers. You really want to know this? You're making cardboard buses. Paint, okay, you know, that's paint, what you do to enjoy yourself. I paint, no, I paint no. the passengers enjoying themselves okay, great. on the wonderful bus. Great. And the whole time, every time he says all this nonsense, he's got this little smirk on his face. Yes, I this know. Little smi- this little smile, which basically is a hallmark of someone who is doing something wrong and they know they're doing something wrong and they don't care. It, it, is, it is terrible that, that, that um, he and the Conservative Party still, still seem to be um, popular, uh, according to the opinion poll. Now, the, there are several reasons for that. One is that he's the only recognisable uh, politician for a lot of people because they're not interested in politics. And they think he's funny. Um, and he's certainly uh, different. Um, but also... Um, I, I think that uh, the the opposition, uh, that's the Labour Party, is remains in some difficulties. Yeah, because um, they can't criticise Brexit either. It seems. Well, they they can't say they're going to reverse it because the majority of their supporters <laughs> voted for it. They're going to have to make the best of it. But the they are um, not particularly united. They're having their um, their annual party conference at the moment, and it's not going well. I think next week it's the Conservative Party conference, and we we know what to expect. It'll be a lot of complete bullshit um, about how brilliant everything is, um, and then the the um, the third party in England, the Liberal Democrats, still haven't really got their act together. But they 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 might um, get some more support in certain parts of the country, and in Scotland, of course, it's a different story altogether. The political scene there is dominated by the SNP, the Scottish National Party, and their main policy is to go independent. And it is entirely conceivable that um, if if the shambles continues from London, uh, they'll gain more and more support and they might have another referendum and they might actually vote to leave and then what would happen? Uh, so, so Boris Johnson and his nationalist cabinet are playing with fire here that they don't know what to do about northern ireland scotland could actually drift away what would they do then break up with the united kingdom and of course um we have the you know it's the economy stupid i hope your listeners understand that statement it an american president was asked you know what's the big issue he said is the economy stupid and the economy (laughs) stupid is always what it is it's always the economy in the end and yeah. um, of course, the economy isn't looking too clever. The um, our inflation rate is going up quite quickly uh, for for a number of reasons, and uh, so they, they, if they lose the grip their grip on the economy, that will be the kind of last straw. Um, oh, so God. it's a very interesting time, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how we come out of the Christmas period and see whether they are still as popular as they are now, because. Labour and Conservatives are about equal in popularity stakes. Okay. So interesting to see what could happen. Mm. Well, oh, all miserable stuff. I'm sorry, listeners, uh, but I am okay. miserable about it. I have to. And, and everyone, everyone's happy to, to, to listen to you talk about it. So we've done the weather at the start, which is the, the, the normal way of doing it. We've, done, we've t- touched on Brexit and stuff. Uh, there's lots of stuff, other stuff we could talk about, but there isn't enough time. But at the end, we always have to do a sports report as well, Dad. Um, so what are some of the sporting highlights of the last uh, couple of weeks or months? Uh, I, yeah, I think well, it's fo- football, cricket, boxing, maybe some other stuff. Yes. Um, 
the, the the football is the big one. I mean, the football season is now nicely underway, and um, it's uh, the the Premiership is still brilliant. I mean, there are goals and incidents in every match. I mean, it's just go, go, go. And a lot of great players. My team, Liverpool, are at the top of the league. Yes. And um, and playing very well. They played um, a, a European tie last night uh, away and won 5-1. Oh. Wow, really? Um, no, they're, they're, they're a terrific side, but there are a lot of, lot of good sides. And, um, so the Premier League is, is great value, great fun. Um, as for the Man City, cricket, Man City lost. Sorry, man. I have to say, Man City lost against PSG last night. Uh, that's Paris Saint Germain, yeah. the Parisian, uh, the big football team from Paris. And I, I was, you know, downstairs just on the sofa last night and suddenly there was a huge noise from outside. <laughs> Uh, and you know, it turned out that Messi had scored a goal against Man City. So Messi is the new signing at uh, Paris. Uh, I, um, I saw his goal on the telly last night. It's a really good one. It's a can really you describe it? Can you oh, describe he cuts, it? Cuts in from the right towards the penalty area, dances past a couple of players, and smashes it in the top corner with his left foot. <laughs> Whack! I mean, it's absolutely terrific goal. Anyway, um, you wait till. PSG come up against Liverpool. I can't uh, wait for that. Uh, and uh, and the cricket's still going on. Uh, we've got a tour um, coming up, and um, we've just had the big golf thing. People Ryder Cup. know about golf. The Ryder Cup. This happens. Uh, it's Europe against USA, and in this, at least, Britain is still in Europe. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, we played away in the USA. We were terrible and got beaten by a record score of the Ryder Cup. Oh, God, did we? Yeah, oh, dear. Yeah. Bad bad time for Europe then, sports, sporting-wise. Right. Anyway, so there's, there's always sport to keep us uh, keep us entertained. Anthony um, Joshua lost his, his heavyweight title. Yeah, That's another thing that happened yeah. uh, to a Ukrainian. I don't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. No, I I think it is. But uh, he but, said, uh, I'll be back. Yeah, well, we're all waiting for the big fight between Joshua and, um, what's his name, Tyson Fury. I don't know if you follow boxing. Not not a lot, but I have heard of Tyson Fury. He's a very interesting character. Good name. Yeah, he was actually named after Mike Tyson. But he's a really interesting character, Tyson Fury, because he is uh, from the sort of uh, gypsy community. I guess that's the the appropriate term. Yeah, the Roman community. Maybe. Yeah, that's the, that's his background. He's a uh, he's he's a uh, he's from well, he's done well, an English he? gypsy family. He's done incredibly well. <laughs> but an interesting bloke, though, really and really interesting to watch him fight as well. Very unconventional, and yeah, and that that's something that people want to see. Um, okay, well, Dad, uh, thank you very much well, for I, this. I, ho- I hope it's been all right for your listeners. I mean, if if, um, if they take a an interest in how the only country ever to leave the EU how we're getting on the answer is uh, not looking too good at the moment (laughs) (laughs) okay all right well um uh, have a nice lunch now and a nice rest of the day yeah same to you and um you know hope you have a really good day thank you all right then dad speak to you soon okay bye 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 Okay, listeners, so that was the Rick Thompson Report. 
for, well, I'm calling it Autumn 2021. It was actually recorded right at the end of September. But there you go, the Rick Thompson Report. There is a video version of that as well, if you'd like to see uh, the Rick Thompson Report as well as actually listen to it. And uh, there you go. Thanks again to my dad for being part of that. Uh, that was it's always very nice of him to come on the podcast isn't it and talk to us about everything that's going on and it's very interesting to way uh, to to listen to the way he does it as well he's got a he's got a way with words uh, my dad I would say so thank you again to him um, so I'm just sitting here in my pod room um, with the window open and I don't know if I mentioned it where I'm I recorded a premium episode today or yesterday oh there we go can you hear that? <clears throat> this is what I was talking about. Okay, so there, there are workmen just outside, sort of working on the roof, uh, just outside my window here. So they might start crashing and banging and hammering and drilling and sawing and things like that at any moment. Um, but I just wanted to add a few words here at the end of the episode, you know, just to kind of, you know, close the episode in the in the right way. Um, but yeah, basically, I've got the A-team uh, working right outside my window. Do you know who the A-team are? Uh, the A-team were, it's like an American TV show from the 80s. And there was Mr. T playing B.A. Baracus and uh, uh, Hannibal, played by George Peppard. Um, Face and uh, Mad Dog... Murdoch, the kind of crazy one, and they drove around in a black van with a red stripe that went up the side of the van, the A-Team. And what would happen with the A-Team is that they'd get into some sort of big fight situation where they they get stuck in a garage and there are loads of bad guys outside with machine guns and they're sort of in this garage and suddenly you hear lots of drilling and hammering and sawing and stuff and there's a montage of the A-Team building something in the garage and there's, there's always a moment where someone is like, uh, you know that thing where you've got, what is it, welding? There's someone welding, <laughs> normally. And then after the montage is finished, they burst out of the garage and they've built a tank. They've built a massive tank, a flame-throwing tank, which they used to uh, get rid of all the bad guys. But in the A-Team, because it was like shown on a Saturday... Oh, there we go. The A-Team are working away outside. I'll close the window. Because the, um, the, the A-Team was on TV on a Saturday, sort of late afternoon, early evening, sort of kids... Uh, time and there's people like shooting machine guns at each other and stuff but no one ever gets killed they just sort of shoot the machine guns at each other and sort of roll out of the way or and then people get punched and stuff but there's no actual consequence to any of the violence including some you know quite dangerous uh, military grade weaponry that's being used and stuff so anyway i've got the a team outside that's all i wanted to say um I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's it. The thing I wanted to add here is is that, uh, so yes, I did record a premium episode and the, the A-team were sort of uh, a little bit involved in that as well. I mentioned them there as well. But anyway, I, this premium episode I did today, I just wanted to let the premium Lepsters know that it's there. So that's P31 part five. Okay. It's recorded, it's published, the PDFs are up and everything. Uh, so that's there. And I just wanted to give you a sort of heads up about that because I published the, the, um, 
premium one just before I published this one. Okay, so um, I just wanted to say, hey, don't forget about the premium one. It's just there underneath uh, this one. And you can get your teeth stuck into that. It's it's full. It's rich, full of uh, descriptive vocabulary. And um, there are, I think, something like 30 uh, items of target language in there, fully dealt with, fleshed out with examples and discussion questions and all of the rest of it. So get your teeth into that. Um, Okay, P31 Part 5. And Part 6 is coming soon. That's the pronunciation drills. Thank you so much for listening to Luke's English Podcast and the Rick Thompson Report. Just a little reminder, you can also get merchandise. If you want to get one of those Luke's English Podcast mugs, like a Rick Thompson Report mug, you can have a mug with Rick Thompson Report written on the side or a T-shirt or something. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash merch. Okay? All right, then. Well, I will speak to you again soon on the podcast, but for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.